Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here with a very special guest and a very close, dear friend of quite some time right now, somebody that I've been able to reach out to, and we've had some wonderful conversations over the years and provided incredible guidance. So happy to have you here. That is Chad Hymas from chadhymas.com. Thank you, Chad, for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here. Absolutely. As you know, with this show, we like our guests to be able to share about themselves in your own words. So I'm going to let you start by sharing your mission, what you do in the world, and sort of the story of where you got to where you are today. My mission is really to influence by sharing a personal message globally on a variety of different topics, not an expertise in any of them, but just based on experience. By definition, I would probably be considered a guide. I do take a lot of pride in that. And by guide, I mean, when you think of the term guide, at least in my world, uh, a guide is somebody that wears camouflage, takes somebody up in the mountains and takes them hunting and gets them close to, we consider it an elk. And so I've always wanted to do that. My dad has been guiding me since I was a kid up in the mountains. And when I turned the age of 20, I had decided to do that on my own and start an outfitting business. And I started construction to be the fuel behind that business so I could build that up so I could make my living that way. Ironically, six years into building that business, I, I broke my neck actually out in the field while building that. Long story short, in the last 17 years since that occurred, you know, that accident 17 years ago rendered me a quadriplegic, which means I'm paralyzed in all four limbs. So my, my hands are numb and curled, and I have no feeling from the armpits down. But I've learned some things. I don't need to be on a mountain looking for elk to be a guide, nor do I need to wear camouflage to be a guide. Uh, today I have on a hoodie and I'm wearing a ball cap. And I also found out that 25,000 acres in the Rockies is a pretty small way of thinking. Like you, I've been traveling uh, to several countries and, uh, and several states within our own country, sharing a very, very personal message about leadership and other, other topics. And, uh, and so my, my perspective of guide has, or guidesmanship has changed over the years. Well, and I love that, Chad. And for anyone listening right now, to give you an idea, Chad is literally one of the most sought-after speakers in the world. There are very few, and I mean few as in handful, we're talking numbers-wise, of people who do the number of cities, the number of locations, the number of events you do in a year, upwards of well over 200 a year. It's incredible. And so you are the ultimate example of guide now. I mean, just guide, like you said, not the guide path you thought, but now you're guiding hundreds of thousands a year. Uh, Chad's book, when it first came out, I mean, it reached a million and a half people without a major publisher. That's some serious influence and ability to guide and show direction 
what Chad has been the key for you throughout this journey? Because obviously your life was not planned this way. You you never saw it going this direction. And, and you had such a drastic life incident occur and change everything. And what appeared to take away your dreams at the time would just shift your dreams. You would, you would learn down the road that it was a shift. What have been some key takeaways that, to help along that journey? I think you mentioned something very profound. There's not one key. There are several right answers. But a few of them, as you mentioned just briefly, number one is to be willing to put myself in a place of potential. A place that is not a potential is locked up or confined in a, in a bedroom. That's a place of no potential. Another place of no potential is, is depression. Uh, you don't, get, don't get me wrong. Everybody goes through that, but you can't have confidence and depression in the same state of mind. And so sometimes that depression will help you get out of that. It's a good jump start. So what I believe about myself is going to dictate my actions, and my actions will always dictate the results that I get. So if I were to believe that most quadriplegics, they confine to a wheelchair, they don't get out, they stay in a warm place by a fireplace and watch TV on a bed all day, that's probably what I would be doing right now. When I'm willing to change my belief system about what I'm able to do, about what I'm able to contribute to society, about the way that I get dressed, change my belief regarding that, change my belief about how I coach my kids, I've been able to do every one of those things, just do them differently. So... That's a very, very key takeaway is, is changing what I believe. And maybe a third and final one would be being proactive versus reactive. A prime example of that would be I can sit back in the wheelchair and wait for the kids to ask me to go play soccer with them out in the field. I have very seldom found good results in that. But when I'm proactive and I go out on the soccer field and say, hey, do you guys mind if I play soccer with you even though my legs don't work? I have found great joy, long-term joy over that versus waiting to be asked to be do something. So those are, those are three takeaways that have really helped me to take an experience of paralysis and turn it into a, a rather unique opportunity, ordinary and extraordinary. You're the role model of that. I mean, you're the role model of uh, somebody, like you said, somebody might have a perception of restriction and a contained life, and yet you're the, op- you're the extreme opposite. You're all over the world. And what's amazing for anyone listening to this right now is Chad shared with you that he's quadriplegic and he has this large organization that he has built. And, and, I, and I don't think I'm revealing anything too revealing here. You could have an assistant if you want it traveling with you to make this maybe an easier journey as far as physically getting you moved around and all of that. But you have chosen to travel this world solo. Like, and I don't mean solo as you don't have your family at some times, but, but for the most part, you travel by yourself. So you have a lot of, of trust in that, Hey, people are going to help me in each place I go in each situation I'm in that a lot of people wouldn't would think, well, geez, isn't that risky? How does that work that for you? No, that's, this is just the way it is. When anybody ever gain something by not risking something. So it's very risky. And you're right. I do travel alone, not 90% of the time, 99.9% of the time. The only time I travel with Shondell, the kids is when we're going on vacation or during spring break, but that is it. And, and, and I, I like that risk, and I have found that language is not a barrier. I mean, the countries that I travel to, many times, they don't, we don't speak the same language. But people are genuinely, like, very kind-hearted, and I don't do that to misuse or abuse anybody. I find that it opens up doors of friendships, doors of allowing other people the opportunity to serve and to me to serve them and to become acquainted. And I, I don't know what it is, but there's this instant connection when somebody picks me up and I go to give them a $20 bill for their help and they try and refuse it. And don't get me wrong, I, I make them take the money, 
but I have to say something for them to take it. It usually sounds like this. This money is not for you. It's for your kids that are at home that you care about. Grab some ice cream for them. It's not for you at all. And then they'll take it, you know. And so when they realize that the money's not, you know, because it's going to take away their blessing, for example, or something like that, they'll take that when I realize when they realize it's not for them. And so I, I do travel alone. I'm, I'm probably not too far off from having to have an assistant travel with me. I'm probably 10 years out, or I, I don't know how far out, but I'm going to do this for as long as I can without having somebody travel with me because I, I like it. And I, 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 I'll, we'll call it pride. I, I take pride in doing that. You know, we've been fortunate. We get to travel together and we've been in hotels with each other and driving in your car. And we were just, I remember asking you, all right, we're here. We're helping you in your own car. What does happen when you're pulling up at the grocery store and you're in this vehicle? And you're just like, I ask. And I think the lesson there is invaluable for everyone listening right now, which is why aren't we asking, right? Why aren't we seeing the people around us and saying, hey, could you help me out here? Or, or why aren't we asking to help? Yes, I mean, that's everywhere. I mean, we see that in high schools left and right. I mean, when you see see somebody see the loaner in the lunchroom, why aren't we going up and saying, "Hey, can we sit at your table?" Right. I mean, so it's so not just asking for help, but asking to to help. I mean, yeah. I see that I see that everywhere I go. I, you just there's there's opportunity out there left and right. That's so brilliant, Chad. I love it. Right, because. Because I think people make the mistake I just made. They hear your story and go, oh, it's, it's about asking for help. But no, no, no. It's both oh, sides. No, no. It is both sides yeah. of the coin. Because anybody who's ever met you knows this is true. Individuals who are meeting you along this pathway, who you're going into a hotel and they're assisting you, you're going into a plane and they're assisting you, whatever the circumstances, you are giving back. There's, when someone meets you, their life is different because of your presence, not because of your situation, because of the presence you bring to the moment, to the situation, to caring about someone, you look people in the eyes, you have a just sincere, incredible, authentic ability to connect. It's, it's awesome. Well, I, I, again, I think you brought us up in the beginning uh, when you said this is something I didn't plan on for sure, but I have found tremendous joy in this, and I find joy in that and making connections with people. I, I think there's a lesson there. I think sometimes our, our audiences that are listening to this podcast here Sometimes we, we, we tend to think a little too small, Mike. We tend, to, we tend to think inside the box. And so we've heard people from the platform say, well, think outside the box. And I don't know that I agree with that either. I think we should just throw the box outside the window and just totally do what you and I just did and say, you know what, wait a second. It's not about asking people for help, although that's not a bad thing. Why don't we go ask if we can help instead of asking for help? Ask that I have found more of it reciprocating back to me when I go say, hey, can I help you out with that? Yeah, man, I got you covered as well. And so, you know, even though physically I can't go and lift bags of potatoes or, or, or do physical things, when I ask my kids, hey, do you mind if I help you out and farm in the field? And most people are thinking, well, how, how would you do that? Well, as long as I'm there, I'm present. My, pre my presence, as long as I'm there with them, they think that I'm helping them. You know, I'm, I'm out there driving around on, the, on my ATV or in the, in the ranch van or, or the side-by-side -side vehicle, and I'm there. My presence is there. A lot of service is done just by mere presence. I love that. Just by mere presence, just by visible felt leadership. I'm not necessarily out there on the court teaching my kids how to do a layup, but I'm on the sidelines watching their every move. And my kids won't forget that, and I won't forget it. Right. There's another nugget. You asked what are some of the nuggets. There's another one. People forget what you say on the platform. They never forget how you make them feel. So a question we should ask ourselves as individuals and people listening to this is, 
Are people better when we're around them? Do they feel good? Do we make them feel good about themselves? Or do we bring them down? Do they feel worse off? Are they not happy? Do my kids perform their best when dad's on the side of the basketball court watching them play? Or are they at their worst? Is my wife happiest when I'm at home? Or is she want me at a Marriott hotel somewhere? I mean, I could ask that question. <laughs> Sometimes it's the alternative. In fact, probably, she, in fact, I probably shouldn't say this. She just walked into the office and she gave a thumbs up when I said Marriott. So that tells you right. <laughs> well, I think both of us are, are obviously, our spouses know each other. So uh, there are moments they both have felt that way. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But yet overall, they wish that we were home too. And that's the wonderful part, right? Uh, you know, to get to where you are today, Chad, took a great deal of mindfulness at points in your life. You were a very competitive person growing up. Uh, you were very competitive in sports, and and you had a plan of how you were going to build this, you know, this operation you shared about earlier the the ranch and the guiding for the elks, and you were com- competitive with yourself that you were going to get that done. And, you're, and then this life accident happens; it changes everything. How did your mindset? How did you? How did you get to the place of mindfulness? Because you share in your book, it was not pretty. That, that the depression, the ugliness, the feeling of loss, that you went from a completely abled person to somebody who was a quadriplegic, and you're sitting there in a, a place of what could feel like despair at times and moments and days. What were the steps that gave you the mindfulness to have that shift? And I know the story, but obviously I want you to be able to share for everyone listening to hear that shift in your words. So let's go back to 17 years. In fact, we're coming up on 17 years next week. Is we'll celebrate 17 years when that, when that transpired. When I woke up in a coma, and uh, you know, and we can make it very, very brief uh, and to the point, when I woke up, my dad gave me the news. He said that the good news is you're still with us. The bad news is they can't fix the spinal cord. You did sever it. Um, chest muscles, you lost your forearms, your hands. So there's no cure for that. We looked in India. We looked in Australia. We looked in Thailand. We looked in Malaysia. There's just there's nobody that can fix that. We looked at the Chris Reeves Foundation. There's just nothing that can be done. And then he said, what if I could be a better contributor, a better father, a better husband, a better guide, a better angler, fisherman, contributor to society? And I told my dad where he could go. And um, and by the way, for anyone listening right now, he's he's not saying uh, in a nice way, told his father where he could go. Oh, I, I, I used some profanity. That I, I mean, I'm being honest with the group. I used some things that I really... Well, but I don't. I use vocabulary that I, quite frankly, don't think about and don't like to use anymore. And when my dad heard that, he turned around and walked out of the room. So we can stop the podcast right there and just ponder on that for a second. On the old man coming in, kind of like a motivational speaker does on a platform, and he's humbly sharing with an audience member of one uh, some ideas and giving me the "what if this is possible," and as an audience member. I am not buying in, and then I just tell him he's full of, of, of garbage, and he out. And I want you to think about that for a second. He's walking out for several reasons, but one in particular. So you could say he's walking out because he feels sorry. He's walking out because he's going to tear up. He's walking out because I wasn't ready to hear it. He's walking out because him and I are tight. Dad and I are tight, and, and how are we going to make this happen? But I think the main reason my dad walked away is he was there to teach me a lesson and give me hope, and you can't teach somebody something that doesn't want to be taught, and you can't give somebody hope that doesn't want to receive it. So the message there is that if we're going to get to a place of potential and get to a place where most don't get, we have to be a teachable person. We have to be a teachable people. 
And no matter what our age, no matter what our gender, no matter what our station, I don't care how much experience people have in life or what your expertise is, if you're not willing to be teachable, you're going to be stagnant. You're going to stay in that place. I was completely comfortable where I was at. I mean, I was an adult male. The business was doing well. The construction company was doing well. The farm was growing. So I was just like a lot of people. We were growing. And that wasn't good enough. My dad wanted me to really throw the box outside the window. He came back in and said, are you going to be teaching or are you just going to sit there in that chair like everybody else does? That was his exact words. And I told my dad, you know, I didn't think it was possible for me to do those things. And he said, if you want to be teachable, I will share a few five things. And he, and he gave me a few things that have helped me transform. The first one is that teachability. And that is a tough one. That is means that you have to surrender. It means you have to submit yourself. It means you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to fail. So I had to be willing to drop eggs on my lap. I had to be willing to spill applesauce on my chin. I had to be willing to let others feed me. I had to be willing to let the machine breathe for me for a while until I could teach myself to breathe again on my own and get rid of the trach that was in my neck, the ventilator. I had to be willing to let my wife get me dressed. Those are not fun things. Those are, those are things that are, can, be, can be very depressing, discouraging, and could cause feelings of, of separation. Or they can bring people closer together if you learn to laugh a little bit. That's the next principle is, is people learn better when they laugh. And so I learned to laugh at my mistakes a little bit more. I learned to laugh at my body as I watched it transform. So becoming a body or going from a body of having some sort of muscle tone to it. I'm not saying that I was built by any means, but, but, but I had some muscle tone to going to a body where there are more bones showing now than muscle because the muscle atrophies when you're paralyzed. Hands that used to have good dexterity are now curled in formation because they're paralyzed. They're numb, so they, they've curled out. And I do stretch them from time to time, but I can't feel that. And so really just being submissive and, and just surrendering. That's a, that's a principle. And so your original question is, how did this all transform? Well, here we are 17 years later, and I'm still doing the same thing. And I've been asked this question too, Mike. How long did it take? I, I mean, I, I hear that question all the time. How long did it take before you finally were able to get through all this? And there's a, here's an honest answer. There will never be a day that I can give an answer to that question because we all go through this thing called life. And I still get lonely in hotels. And I still get down sometimes when I think about things I can't do. But here's a catch. Now, here's the caveat. If I stay caught up in those thoughts, I will stay depressed and I will stay unproductive and I will stay miserable. But if the more I focus on what I still can do, the more productive I am. I haven't gotten through it and I never will. Not in this life. And so I, I don't expect it. That, that's called perfection. And I haven't met a perfect person yet. And so I'm looking for progress in myself and in others. And I think if we can meet that standard and make that our, our, our goal, our bar, I think, I think we're all going to be better off. I don't think there's any magic drugs. That, that makes sense. There's no magic. Absolutely. No magic I love it. Well, and how powerful, right? Every Everyone, no matter what the situation, we can make progress somehow, some way, even if it's just maybe if, even if it's not physical, but our mindset just to sure. how do I grow my mindset? How do I grow my knowledge? How do I grow love? Right? How do I go lo love for other people, for my spouse, for my children? How, do, how about this one? I think this one, you understand fully this. How do I love myself given who I see? And that's true of all of us when we look in the mirror. How do I love myself despite my imperfections beside, or, or maybe even more because of them? Like, how do I love them? You know, yeah, and I think that one thing that's helped me is the more that I help others love themselves, the more I love myself. 
So the more I help my boys and, and, and my children love themselves and the way that they are and the gifts that they've been given, the more I've come to love love myself. And so I have found great reward in the, the Stephen Covey uh, quote that says, in order for you to get everything you want out of life, find someone else that has a need and help them solve that first. That has been very profound in my life. That's not my quote. That's, that's Stephen Covey. Very few people act on that. More people need to act on that. And they'll find the same results that I have in my life. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people hear a quote like that, and they mistakenly say, that's how, that's how I get ahead, right? That I do that to get something versus it, that's how I live my life. There's a huge difference in Very much so. uh, that, I, that I serve as a way of life versus I serve to get. It's such a dramatic difference. No, no, for sure. I, I, I don't think I could agree with you more on that. I think that the, 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 the more we give, the more we get back in return, but we don't do it for that. Right. I mean, you get caught up in that, then that becomes egotistical, you become narcissistic, and then it becomes an arrogance type of a countenance. And people can see that. They can tell that. Without you even saying the word, they can see that. Yeah. And they see the place of sincerity, and you're willing to give you your time. Now we're talking about people that really understand. Yeah, it's huge. And and speaking of that, when it, what would be, for you, on a, on a daily basis, is there a routine that helps you be as success, yeah. not even successful, but right. as productive, as fulfilled as you are. I mean, you've built you've built an incredible organization. Because for anyone listening right now, when I said that 17 years ago you were this really competitive person, let me be very clear. He is as competitive. I didn't know Chad at that time when things happened, but I know how competitive you are today. You are very competitive. So even though people think, oh, he's he's built to serve and all, that must mean he gave up all of that and he doesn't have a competitive bone. No, not even close to that. So, and I think that's a fair statement to make, right? That you have a competitive bone in you that is very strong. Put me on a basketball court with my kids. You watch. You that's know? right. That's right. So how do you how do you balance it all? How do you integrate it all? The because you do you do implement. I mean, somebody gives you an idea. You're not just going to use it, Chad. You are going to take the idea and make it ten times bigger than the person who shared it with you. How do you do that in a way that's mindful? And you take care of the people around you. You take care of your team and the organization you've built. How do you do that? From how are you mindful of that on an ongoing basis? Well, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. You've heard that, and and you and you got to take care of those people. I think also we go back to this piece that Dad taught me again. He said, you know, if you're going to be successful, you must focus on other people's successes, their needs, their fears, and their victories, and helping them solve that. And so as I've done that, I I have found myself becoming what I am today. And then you ask this question. You, you asked me about a routine. There is a routine. Each morning when I wake up, I need to take, and I'm very careful this time, so it's not a mass, mass amount of time, but 10 minutes is all I'm asking you to do. 10 minutes for, as soon as you wake up, because if you don't do it, you're probably, if you don't do that first 10 minutes, you probably won't do it at all. 10 minutes for yourself to just find out what, what are you grateful for that day? I didn't say you had to give a devotion or a prayer or anything like that, but what, and, and list those things out, either on a sheet of paper or your mind, but what are you grateful for today? And... Some days it's going to be it's going to be the same thing, but you should look for something different in each and every day. So, are you grateful for the snow that came down today? Where you know maybe it doesn't snow tomorrow. Are you grateful? And why are you grateful for the snow? And just it's just ten minutes of your time. That's not a lot of time, and that is a big part of my day every single day. Um, when I wake up, is that first ten minutes when I wake up? What? Well, how can I show my gratitude and what am I grateful for? And I, that has been profound. And then, and then I need to do something for myself. And usually that's getting dressed. But for others, it's exercise. So getting dressed for me is exercise. But for some reason, it just gets 
be just be pumping the blood going, even though I can't feel it, you know, and and feel the blood in my hands and feel the warmth in my hands. But I need to get I need to get I need to get energized. And so for a lot of people, it's going to the gym or it's going on a run or going on a walk, you know, and burning some calories or whatever that might be. For me, it's it's getting my shoes on, it's getting the jeans on, not that order. Jeans usually come before shoes. <laughs> you know, it's getting dressed, and that that kind of gets the blood going. And I I think that's powerful for people to get up and get their day started. But before you do that. Take 10 minutes to yourself to find those two. Those are two small, simple routine things that I do every single day that if we don't think about it, then it just becomes mundane. People most of the time get up and get dressed and they just start their day. Well, do it with some energy. I find a lot of positivity. I, I find that it's, it's almost like taking a, a drug that just gives you energy. And I prefer to be drug free. I'm not saying that because I'm against prescriptions and medications. I, for me, I'm just... I've lost some friends that have, have had medications backfire on them um, that are in my circumstance, and I don't want that to happen to me. So I've learned lessons from them and learned lessons from others. And so those are some routines that I've put in place in my life. You brought up that you learn, and you're a huge learner. You love to learn. Uh, what are for you? What's your greatest learning source? Is it? Are you? Do you listen to podcasts? Are you? Is it books for you? Podcast books. I love TED talks. Love TED talks. Um, there, you can look up any topic you want or look up the top 10 for the day uh, and, and pull them up and, and just, they're three to five minutes long. Some are not, not, more and more, you know this, they're going to be about 10, 15 minutes, but they're powerful. And, and just look at one a day and it can be three minutes, but TED Talks are, are, are powerful. Diving into a good book, diving into something spiritual. There's a lot of, a lot of, good, a lot of good things now that are available to us on our iPhones that, that I can look at. On a day. And I love, my, I love good music, inspirational music. And, and you know, as well as I do when you travel, I guess I'm a romance guy. Like, uh, I'll watch Beauty and the Beast all day long. I will, I'll, just, I'll just watch it. So I, I love a good movie, too, as well. I like to be inspired by stuff like that. I am inspired by I'll watch something like that, and I'll think I probably ought to send some flowers off. Love it. Love it. Are there, are there certain authors or books that maybe two, one, two, or three that have just had a massive impact on the journey? So I got one sitting right here that I'm just reading, and it's, I don't even know. I just got this. Just open it up. I don't even have the author's name, but it's "Turn the Ship Around," and it's about turning your life around, going going from ordinary or even going from down to press, taking the mantle and turning that sucker, turning your life, taking the helm, taking your life by the helm is what what the book's about. But it's called "Turn the Ship Around." All right, turn the ship around. I love it, and that you're reading it right now. Somebody somebody heard me speak and said, "Chad, you need you just you just quoted that book." verbatim i never read it before and <laughs> reading it now so that i can actually say that i can quote it verbatim but yeah isn't it funny when people do that hey that you must have read that book um no oh. that, that's, that's just something i thought of or i've heard it before right we're not having too many original thoughts it's stuff we've learned and we're sharing with others that's what you do as a guide it's not that you're the creator of the idea it's that you share the idea that's right yeah so, no, that, that's a good book i mean but prior to this art Berg's book the impossible just takes a little longer that's a great book and I find myself reading the same books over and over and over again. There's so many books by so many authors that are so that are so great. It can be overwhelming. And so I would just ask somebody to take a book and read it and finish it. Aspire by Kevin Hall is a great book. Absolutely. I mean, it's just so powerful, the knowledge that is. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's not even necessarily what the book says half the time, maybe more than half the time. It's where my brain goes away from the book. Right. Away it from explores the book. And, and has new discoveries and opportunity for growth and, you know, aha moments. That's right. That's right. Very fair. Very fair. Well, Chad, you know how much I love you. I am so thrilled that 
Everyone listening right now gets to learn from you and expose to the energy you share with the world. You're the ultimate definition of a guide. I want to thank you for joining us and for everyone out there listening, if you're going, hey, how do I find this guy? Because he is amazing. You're correct. He is. Uh, you can find him on everydaymindfulnessshow.com. We'll have a link to his website, which is chadheimus.com. Makes it easy. But we'll have a link. We'll have all that information. And for everyone listening right now, I hope you check it out. And until next time, may you enjoy everyday mindfulness in your life. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.